Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeals Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. Uh, much happier vibe for this podcast compared to last week's. The Tigers get two big wins since we last joined you at UCF. And then um, a home win over UConn, 70-63 on Sunday. This being the 2019-2020 season and where you know Memphis just can't seem to have too many good things. That UConn win is balanced out by the fact that they get the news that DJ Jeffries uh, will be out at least the next four to six weeks after uh, partially tearing his PCL in practice this week. Uh, but nonetheless, they, they, they pull out a win over UConn without him on Saturday. So that's the good news. Um, and, and they didn't beat UCF without him, but he didn't score. He didn't score. In that game, and they still won on the road. So... Yeah. Nonetheless, a big loss. Oh, it was yeah. your second leading scorer at this point, um, and had been, you know, really until he got the flu, pretty darn consistent. Uh, got the flu last month, and he he had never really recovered from that. To be quite honest, there was what, he had a what, game or two where he looked like himself, but yeah. other than that, he really hadn't. But nonetheless, without James Wiseman, he was an important piece because of his versatility. You could play him down low. You could play him on the wing. And he was a guy who could go get a bucket on a team that doesn't have a ton of guys who can go get a bucket. So it's though they beat UConn, it is a concern moving forward how you uh, manage without DJ Jeffries. Uh, But they did a fairly good job on Saturday against UConn. Jason, what were your takeaways from the week? Have they moved past whatever it was that caused them to lose four of six preceding this? Um, Or, like, what what do you make of of the week they just had beating UCF and beating UConn? I don't know. I I think that – I don't know if they've moved past it completely. I mean, this is a team that is still turning the ball over way too much. This is they're, t- they're now outside the top 200 in offensive efficiency at Kempom. They're 201. Yeah. yeah that's, that's wild. That especially for a team that is so good defensively. Um They're also now in the top 10 in adjusted in a defensive efficiency. Yeah. They're number 8 in the country. And and we can I'd like to talk later or a little uh, a little more uh about that uh, a little bit later but i don't know my i don't know if they are i don't know if memphis is past um the issues that caused them to lose four out of six 
a couple of weeks ago. Um, they should have won two of those four games. We should not lose sight of that. They should have beaten Georgia and would have if DJ Jeffries, if DJ Jeffries had been healthy. They should have beaten SMU. So I attribute those two losses to youth, and because of that, I think that the way you put it, have they moved past their 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 issues that caused them to lose some of those games? Those two games, I think it's it's likely. I mean, they've got more experience now. They're learning. Those were those were valuable learning lessons, you know, lessons for them to learn. And I think in those terms, they probably have moved past that. But they, I don't think they've moved past why they got beat at Wichita State, and I don't think they've moved past why they got beat at Tulsa. If that makes any sense, I just think you yes. see what I'm saying, like. They've, the Georgia they, and the SMU game could have gone either way. They've the, the whatever the well, and I would say the Tulsa game effort was almost the biggest issue in that game. And I do th- what we saw in these last two games that I was encouraged by was we saw a team that seemed to have gotten the message that you are not going to out talent teams in conference play. You may have you may think you have more talent. You may actually have more talent. That's not really gonna. That's not really gonna win you games in conference. Talent alone is not gonna get it done. You gotta. You gotta scratch and claw and do whatever it takes. And I think that's. I. I was encouraged in that department. The last two games, they seem to have figured out. Hey, like these teams, do not respect us. They're gonna. No, give- maybe not respect is not the right word. They do. They they do not care that we are right. these ball. You know, we have a bunch of higher ranked guys on our team. Yeah, they're not going to not give it their best shot. Like you're going to get their best shot. We, we've seen it. I mean, look at Wichita State has has come back down to earth uh, after beating after beating Memphis. I, I mean, you know, I mean, right, Georgia's not beaten anybody really uh so you know you're getting these teams best shots and you have to you know you got to be ready for that well well, it's now interesting in the context of because now this season to me has become can this team you know this team that's been through so much i mean like now you add on the dj jeffries injury this is a team let's go back to august don't have precious on the trip to the bahamas because of a visa issue James Wiseman doesn't play because of a shoulder injury. Then you've got the exhibition games where James Wiseman has this mysterious ankle injury and doesn't play in the exhibition games. Then, second game of the year, hour or two beforehand, James Wiseman is in court suing the NCAA after they uh, inform Memphis that he's likely ineligible. Then he plays against those 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 that night that night and then against Oregon right um, under this cloud of uncertainty. Then he decides via the school, I guess, decides to sit out and await his punishment from the NCAA stemming from this ineligibility. Then he gets the twelve game suspension, sits out seven games. In but in the middle of all that, Lester Quinones breaks his hand. Sit, then James sits out seven games, ending capping it off with the t- big Tennessee win, probably the high point of the year at this point. Um, and then as soon as that game's over, essentially, that next week, James Wiseman announced, you know what, I'm done with school. And he, then, fa- he FaceTimes 
his teammates, as we learned after that Tennessee game, to tell him congratulations. Congratulations. And then two days later decides Gone. to leave school. Yeah. And then then you've got DJ warming up for the Georgia game, then pulling himself from it because he's got the flu. Then he gives the flu to his roommate, Damian Ball. Both of them look like zombies in the Wichita State game. Right. Am I missing anything? And then you've got this DJ so. Jeffries injury. Yeah, and now DJ, and now the, the I mean the it's me. it's it's I, I honestly think when you when you take all that into perspective and you look at that they're sixteen and five they're in a pretty good spot, all things considered. Like we can talk about the jaw oh, that they should have won the Georgia game, and what was the other one you said they should have won? SMU game. The SMU game they should have won. You're right. They had a 12 point. They should have won both those games. They very easily could be 18 and three, and despite everything, we'd frankly could've... be talking about them as one of the best stories in the country because of That's what right. they'd overcome. That's right. But instead, they're 16 and five, and I think given the state of college basketball. Still in a decent spot. Like, if you can avoid the bad loss, I really think this team only needs, like, one or two other wins. If you Like, if you can beat Temple and and beat USF this week at home, games that are, you should win. Um, and then you go into this last eight stretch of at Cincinnati, at UConn, ECU at home, Houston at home, SMU on the road, Tulane on the road, Wichita State at home, Houston on the road. You'd be 18-5 and five going into that last eight-game stretch. And I really only think you need four or five wins to really – and even that, like even if you only got four, I think you could – you'd be in a position where you could go into the AAC tournament and maybe play your way in – Without winning the win, winning the tournament, I really like you look around college basketball. They're going to have to put sixty eight teams in the tournament, and you know right now, I guess in the net, Memphis is up to fifty one. Um, they're fifty six, I believe, in Ken Palm. What's amazing is so that variance we we're talking about. They're two hundred one in off- offensive efficiency and eight in off- in defensive efficiency. Just looking at it, the only other team that has that big of a variance between two sides of the ball, UVA, who's number one in defense and 277 in offense. SMU's got a pretty big variance. They're like 19 in offense and um, 184 in defense. Uh, so you see where let's to to compare Memphis and UVA. Uh, Jerry Palms' latest bracketology came out today. Uh, you know where he's got the two. Where both at ten. Memphis is uh, one of the last four in. Oh, so he's even though they he, won two I games know, yeah. last week, he's, they moved from ten to last four in. Strange but true. Well, it's, and, it means uh, other teams have won some big games. Like UVA beat Florida State last week. That's a big, you know, that really helped their resume. Yet they are one of the first four out. So, so the two teams with such a wide disparity are right around each other, are, and they're are, right around each other in Kempom. Yeah. Um. But if they they got these next two, just like this past week, we said they had to win at UCF and they had to win against UConn. They got to win these next two. Like these games against Temple and USF are not going to really help you. No. But they would severely damage your profile if you, they bury they're, you. Yeah. They're quadrant three games, and they're at home. 
I mean, they, well, their, you, quad, their, their temple is 102 in Ken Palm, and South Florida is 128. So these are above 100 Ken Palm teams at home. You can't lose these games no, yeah. if you plan to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And and Penny kind of said as much uh, the other day after the after the UConn win. He's like, every game's a big game now. There are no more, there are no more small games. Every everything everything matters. And let's just hope. Let's hope that de- I I thought we saw some of that desperation this sure. past week. Yeah. Um. And a so- lot more than the UCF game. The UCF game felt weird. There was very little energy coming from anybody on that. I see. I thought. I, I maybe I viewed the UCF game differently. I actually thought they played okay in that UCF game in the sense that, one, it was a road game. Two, they shot the ball poorly in the first half. I liked the looks they got in the first half. The offense ran yeah. decently well, certainly compared to how it had been you know, in a lot of games prior to that. And then in the second half, they shot 58% from the field. And they held an opponent under 60 points. Yeah, no, I don't mean that. I just mean necessarily from like a sense of urgency standpoint. Yeah. I, there, I felt more of a sense of urgency against UConn, maybe because it was at home. I don't know. I, you know. Well, and, and that UConn game brings up an interesting, I guess, uh, dialogue that happened after the game. So the turnovers were ridiculous again. Uh, I mean, to the point where like the crowd was just groaning it was, it was worse than that they were they were they were i don't even know how to describe it on like, the cusp of booing it felt it like. was like yeah angst mixed with anger mixed just frustration with, just, yeah just just very very because they uh, were just these turnovers were just like ridiculous it was like middle school turnovers like, and they were just coming throwing in, the ball away and they were coming in such rapid succession it was like one after another after another yeah, and it was just so ugly. Um, and and like we said on here before, I don't think you're solving the turnover issue this year. They, it is uh, what it is yeah, at this point in the sense that this team is going to have moments where they are just careless with the ball. They've sh- they've been that way the entire year. It's February now. That's not really going to change. But they didn't commit any turnovers the last four fifty seven of that UConn game, and they got to the free throw line a lot and made free throws. And that formula, and, and so Penny was asked about that. Like, what what did you do in those last 457? And essentially, talking to the players and Penny, it, was, it wasn't that he took the air out of the ball, but he basically ran sets the entire time. They, they kind of slowed it down and whatever. And it, it goes to something I've been saying since the beginning of the year. You could see it from the, begin, you know, from the first few games of the year. This team... Contrary to what their rankings and makeup suggest, thrives with structure. They need structure. They play better when they have structure. Um, and I think Penny should do it all the time. I, I, I think, like, yes, you run a little bit, but, like, you look at that variance of offense to defense and who you're comparable to. This is what I'm not saying you need to become UVA, but like I think you need to be a lot closer to UVA than to a to a team that runs up and down the floor. I think especially now that DJ's out and to me you should only be playing eight players and this is a way 
to play eight players. Slow the tempo down a little bit. Like, this team plays at a super fast tempo, but they're not particularly good playing at a fast tempo. Like, right. what did, and, and honestly, DJ is probably one of the best guys in transition. Yeah. And, and you, you just, just lost you him. You just lost him, yeah. So, I, I think you saw a window in that last five minutes that if I'm Penny Hardaway, I am trying to take those last five minutes and transfer them to an entire game. Because yeah. I, I think... I think, you know, it's almost like a little kid who um, doesn't know what's good for it, good for him or her. Like, you know, like they don't want vegetables. They want candy all the time. But the vegetables are good for them. This slower pace, that's this team's vegetables. Like, they need to eat their broccoli. As much, as, as, as bad as the broccoli may taste and as much as it goes against your initial feeling of, you know what, I like candy. Like, a candy tastes good. Like, I, I want the candy. Like, candy, candy's not good for you. You know where the flaw is? Candy's going to land you in the dentist's office, which is the NIT in this situation. <laughs> you are just full of analogies today, aren't mm-hmm. you? That's, that's, they're good. But, uh, but you know, I think where the, where the problem, what the, the problem with that is that the parent likes the candy, too. That's that's I think where the issue is. You yes. know what I mean? Like, well, no, I mean Penny and Penny sold these guys on playing a certain yeah. style of basketball and there's a certain style that he's always used even go, dating back to his high school days. But what's more important? I know. Winning and get to the NCAA tournament or like I think Penny will come out looking better in the long run if he take, you know, puts the brakes on a little bit. If he just I mean if he shows like I, I'm going to do what it and and here's how Penny for all the talk of like, you know, can he coach? Can he not coach? Which I think is like a debate that's just stupid. Like, I think he's an ex- inexperienced coach, but I think he can coach. I think he's shown that over the two years. Um, he's shown a willingness to do whatever it takes to win. Like that dude is competitive, right? And right. I think he's gonna go. I I hope and I think he's gonna go back and watch those last five minutes and go. You know, like, I'm not saying they're going to not run all together, but I think you're going to see a more deliberate team moving forward, particularly because it's a way to play eight guys. Like, you know, you've seen Isaiah Maurice basically leave the rotation. I, You know, the whole Jaden Hardaway starting thing the other day, I bet he starts again, but he only played like two, you know, he barely played. Played three minutes in the first half and 7-17 in the game. So, yeah, it was... It was minimal. I mean, I wouldn't be playing him either. I'd be playing, but if you want to start him and play him for the first media time, I guess. Um, but I'd be playing eight guys, and this is it's slowing the tempo down as a way Where to you, play yeah, eight guys yeah. without, you know, without you know tiring them out, if you will. And so um, that'll be fascinating to watch this week to see how they what they do to adjust. To what they've now seen, that yeah. like, and like I said, I really do believe you watch this team. They may not think they want structure, but their actions and how they play suggest that they want structure. And 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 when Penny has provided it, like for instance, I go back to like that NC State game. Remember when NC State came all the way back, and then the last four or five minutes of that game, you could see Penny took grab control of that game himself, like in terms of calling plays, being a little more deliberate and precise with what they do, and they went and knocked off NC State. And 
you know, I just think it'll be an, it's an interesting dilemma that he is going to have to sort through here over the next week or so because I think this is a week where you can you can maybe you can maybe change some things because you're at home again to uh, not to take them lightly because this team can't take anyone lightly but once but, you get past these next two games it's going to be a mad dash to the end right. when you look at the schedule with all the with all the road games that they have it, it's going to be it's going to you you have a relatively calm schedule here in that you had three home games in a row and essentially a week and a half almost two weeks where you're not traveling like to, now is the time to figure out how you're going to attack the the last six, seven, whatever games it is. Mm-hmm. You know, now is now is when you figure out uh, what you're gonna what you're gonna be. No, and like and and I look at it as you know, like you look, you're not gonna have DJ, and we'll see if he comes back for the postseason or not. I don't know. I'm skeptical about that. Even like if I was looking at it from his perspective, do you really? He's not gonna be close to a hundred percent, even if he comes back for the postseason. If I'm in his shoes and his family's shoes, I'm I'm very hesitant to come back at not a hundred percent. But if they're in the NCAA turn, you know, for, you know, they're competing for a tournament bid, and he feels he can help, maybe that'll happen. But Let's assume he's not going to be here. Like to me, and I think you saw it as the second as that game progressed. Lester Quinones needs to have a bigger role. Yep, bigger offensive role. I want to see him. I want to see him taking twelve to fifteen shots a game. Yep, and and, and five or six threes a game. That's what I, I really do. I want to see that. Um, I'd rather him shoot the ball than other people. Obviously, yep. Precious is going to continue to. You know, the more the more you can get him the ball, despite how many turnovers he was credited with the other day um and then i mean the the revelation that is lance thomas and boogie ellis and boogie ellis those are your four it feels like and then with with lomax mixed in there um and then whatever you know hopefully you can get some more out of tyler mm-hmm. uh, moving forward uh and then and malcolm am i missing anyone ball ball can help you too as a, I do not want to see Damian Ball out on the floor as the primary ball handler. No, that's got to stop. It's got to stop. Like, he can help you if you want to play a three-guard lineup and use him as the wing, especially now that DJ's out. He can help you there because he's good defensively. He can scrap underneath and rebound the ball. I like him there. I I hate him as a primary ball handler right now. He, yeah, he just he, he's do it he's very a well. turnover machine. It's like for every good play he makes, there's three terrible ones. Yeah, and and so you cannot. He should not be out there as a primary ball handler. Right. Um, but Lance is interesting because essentially the last two games he has. He has offset whatever you usually get from DJ yeah, he's, Jeffries. He's been DJ Jeffries. Yes. Uh, you know, different with, with more blocks. Different, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say he's been like DJ defensively, where he provides rim protection and can guard multiple positions. And then offensively, he's not the shot creator right, that right. DJ is. Yes, but the past two games, he's been a much better floor spacer. Like, yeah. that's one of Memphis's biggest problems offensively is they have terrible spacing because they don't have a lot of three point shooters, but they run this offense that's predicated primarily on spacing the floor and and having Lance hitting three pointers has really helped and now you're going to see teams adjust their yeah, scouting right. reports based on the last two games now 
that should free up some more stuff for Precious, mm-hmm. free up some Lester. driving driving lanes for Lester and Alo and Boogie and but how will Lance adjust to the adjustments? Yeah, that's a good um, that's a, because good that's point. coming. Yeah. Like teams are not just going to leave him open from three after the last two games, right? And so. Because they, I mean, for this to work, for them to make the tournament and and stable, be stable, without DJ Jeffries, it involves Lance maybe not scoring twenty points, but being a double digit scorer. I think, like, like being what he was in, in the like in in the uh, in the UConn game in the twelve, averaging tw- around 12. ten to twelve, giving you giving you that maybe not five blocks, but giving you another rim protector like. That's part of the equation, and so he's done it two games in a row. And I'd even go back to the SMU game. I think he didn't score points in that SMU game, but I thought he played well in the SMU game. He said he's had three plus games in a row, including one plus plus game, and you know, one on on Saturday against UConn that was almost a plus plus game. I mean, like, five blocks is yeah. That's, let's that's, go two plus plus games. Yeah, yeah. He's had one plus game where he was a he was he contributed well against SMU, and then two plus plus games. I don't think he's going to be plus plus no. every game, but is he a consistent plus? That's what they need. If um, he is, this becomes a very very. I mean, it, it makes the season even more intriguing. It becomes just, manageable. It become if you don't have him, if he reverts back closer to what he was this year, it, it which I, it, it's going to be hard. Which it doesn't if, look like he is. I mean, he appears to have turned a corner. Hopefully, it seems like confidence was his biggest issue. And we'll now we'll he's see got some against confidence. Cincinnati. We'll see when they get you know to yes. Cincinnati and they they get Houston and they. Uh, Go look, to SMU. We'll see. But and look, you've got you've got opportunity. People have talked about. Oh, they don't have a lot of opportunities with this bubble. They've got the opportunities in front of them. They let's say let's say the games that they, you really expect them to win. To me, there's four expected wins left on this schedule: Temple and USF this week, ECU at home, and Tulane on the road. Let's say that Tulane game is an expected win, even though I don't know if that's going to be necessarily an easy win. Um, but that's four wins right there. That puts you at 20, 20 wins. To me, if you uh, 20 wins with at Cincinnati, at UConn, Houston at home, SMU on the road, Wichita State at home, Houston on the road left. To me, you get three of those, or maybe even two, you're fine. Not fine. You're you're in a decent position. Like, let's say you beat Houston at home and SMU on the road. That puts you at 22 wins. And then, yeah, if you can beat Wichita State at home, that's 23 wins. To me, if you can get those three wins, and so you lose, let's say you lose at Cincinnati, at UConn, and at Houston, I think you're in a decent spot. Yeah. I really do. Um, and it could be, you know, and that's not, that's not including like the fact that Connecticut, while they've played a lot of teams close, doesn't know how to win close games. So maybe you can pick off Connecticut on the road. Maybe. And you already beat Cincinnati at home. Now Cincinnati's playing really well now and that road game has gotten a lot tougher now. But but what they held they held Cincinnati to forty nine points I think it was they match up well with Cincinnati right that was what became clear in that game at FedEx Forum now, it's going to be a lot harder at Cincinnati but 
but, Jaren, it's not like Jaron Cumberland didn't show up and they beat Cincinnati. Jaron Cumberland had a good game and they beat Cincinnati. See, but one thing that I think should be noted or is noteworthy is that when they're going back and facing these teams again, Memphis is a different team, right? Lance Thomas, Boogie Ellis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're they're I, just, I look my point is though, there's opportunities. There's there's plenty. Like this team is not in an awful awful position right, right. now. Um and it's why there was all this I noticed that once once DJ's injury was out there before the game. There was just a lot of pessimism. Um Oh, the sky had fallen. Yes. For a lot of people. And I just don't think we're at that point. Now if they lose this week, maybe you know, then I can see, you know, they come back down to earth. If that Connecticut game was more of an aberration without DJ and not more closer to what this team's going to be, then yeah. But right now, I think they're in a decent spot with 10 games to go. Yeah. They're in a DC. You just do. I don't, I don't even think you need to do like, you don't even need to be spectacular the last 10 games. And I think you can get into the tournament. I think people are, I think some people are looking at this whole thing of in their, in, in, I wouldn't look at it the way some people are looking at it. It's become very exciting, uh, you know, in a much different way. You know, not the excite, exciting type of feeling that you thought you would have in February with this team. You thought that James Wiseman would be back. You thought that, you know, nobody expected Damian Ball to be gone. You, nobody expected the team to have five losses at this point. But it's exciting. I mean, this is this is an exciting time because if – for they haven't been reasons. in the tournament since 2014. They're in the best position since then yeah. to make the tournament. Like through 21 games, this Memphis team is in a better position to make the tournament than any of those five previous teams that didn't make the tournament. And this is what you want. I mean, like you want every game to count. I mean that that it hasn't gone as planned. Let's like that's make no bones about it. It has not gone as planned. But as I wrote last week, it's still exciting. I still think there's a way to feel satisfied at the end of this if this team, with everything it's been through, gets it together enough to make the tournament. I think you'll look, yes, you'll look back on this season as a what if, but you'll also think back on it as a, you know, you'll, you'll think back on it positively because of what they overcame to get to the tournament. And then who knows, maybe they can make a Once you get to the tournament, who knows? It's all about matchups. You know, you could go on a run from any seed. We've yeah. seen you could make a run from the play-in game. A few a few numbers that I found uh this weekend that I wanted to to throw at you before we wrap this up. Um we know that Memphis turns the ball over a lot. Everybody knows that. They're one of the worst teams in the country at turnover rate, which is like 17 point something uh per game and and that was um, underscored against UConn when they turned the ball over 24 times and gave up um, 31 points off those turnovers. So I decided to go back through every game this season and look at how many points the other team is scoring off turnovers. Did you did you check this out? I did. It was 16 good. points per game Memphis is giving to its opponent with ter- but off turnovers. And didn't UConn, UConn have, what, 31? 31. Almost half. Almost half of UConn's points came off turnovers. So, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Say, say if, Memphis, if Memphis reduces... 
Well, because that's the thing. There's turnovers and then there's live ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers Happen. generally – no, live ball turnovers are the ones you want to try to avoid because those are the ones that lead to runouts, fast breaks – that's the type of stuff you want to try to avoid. If you can, if Memphis can cut out three or four live ball turnovers a game, essentially ten percent, roughly, ten fifteen percent. Like I said, if this team could actually just commit fifteen turnovers a game, they'd act, they'd be fine. Right? It wouldn't be great, but it'd be fine. Because and and the reason for that is because you would you would you would uh, you would essentially you could take you could. Take away four to five points, four to six points from the other team, which makes your defense even more elite. Because instead of holding teams to sixty-three points a game, you're holding them to under sixty, and you give yourself more opportunities. It's like you're not just giving the other team opportunities to score; you're taking opportunities for yourself from yourself. And uh, you know, if you can widen that scoring margin by six to eight points per game over these last ten games, just think about where they could be. I mean, that's that is a that's a pretty significant, I thought, um, you know, stat. And you know, I, it's just they got to do it, though. I mean, they, you know, we'll see. We've been saying it for two. Penny's been saying it for two months. We've been saying it for two months. Like the time to fix it was a while ago, and I just don't. I don't know if it's going to get fixed at this point. It's more about to me over you know real like kind of accepting the fact that this is going to probably happen and you're going to have to do other things to offset like just like they're an elite defensive team they're elite at giving the ball away and they like are. like that's just that's part like just like the defense is part of who they are and part of what makes them good they're prolific at giving the ball away yes and that i think that just might be who they are this year yeah i think it's i i and my only, the only thing I can think of is cut down on the chances to throw the ball away. Yeah, which right. Which right. means slowing, taking control, yeah. slowing the tempo down and doing what you did in those last five minutes uh, and getting to the free throw line. Like it's no coin. Like this team struggles to put the ball in the hole. It helps when they're getting to the free throw line a lot and making their free throws. Penny's been harping on that for a while, and the more they can do that, the better because it, it just it helps a lot. It it helps a, a team without with that doesn't have great floor spacing and doesn't have a truly you know precious is sort of a go to guy but they don't really have a guy who you just know can go get you a bucket you know getting the free throw line helps offset a lot of that stuff so yeah um, it's gonna be another interesting week I don't think these games you know just like last week I don't think these games are necessarily gonna look pretty I don't know if they're gonna blow out Temple or blow out USF, there's probably going to be moments that are going to make you try and rip your hair out, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, is this team going to lose to Temple? Is this team going to lose to USF? But if they come out with two wins, none of that really matters. Really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. It really that's, that's the point we're at right now. As long as they win, who the heck cares what it looks <laughs> a like? A win is a win yeah. at this point. And so uh, this is a big week to go 2-0, and because I don't know if there's a lot of 2-0 and weeks left in this schedule. Doesn't um, look like it. I mean, maybe SMU and Tulane. Maybe that might be the only because <laughs> after this week you got Cincinnati and UConn both on the road. Come back home for East Carolina and Houston. But and the point, but the point I was making is you don't need to go two and zero in those weeks. Right. This week you do need to go two and zero. Yeah, 
You don't need most of those weeks. You don't need to go two and zero. This time a week ago, we said this very thing that these next two weeks were going to be huge. Yes. And a two zero so far. Darn if we weren't right. Yeah, we so. shall see. It'll be interesting. Um, make sure you're checking out commercialappeal.com throughout this week. Um, we will obviously be, have coverage of both the Temple game Wednesday night and the USF game Saturday afternoon. Munns will have tons of other stuff up on commercialappeal.com throughout the week. I'll be writing columns. It should be a lot of fun. And if you're not subscribed, you should subscribe because it's only a dollar for the first three months, which is a pretty ridiculous deal. Um, so till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.